This podcast is brought to you by MSW Nutrition. MSW Nutrition is a supplement line designed to help support your body in as many ways as possible, starting with the liver. By helping to repair liver health, you're supporting your body's biggest detox organ so that it can do its job taking care of the rest of you. We carry supplements to help with mood, stress, energy, weight loss, gut health, immunity, and much more. Any product carrying the MSW Nutrition label will be produced in an FDA-certified lab and contain the most bioavailable version of those nutrients possible. Make sure to check out our website at www.mswnutrition.com to see all the latest stacks to help you reach your health goals. This podcast is also brought to you by Athletic Outcomes. Athletic Outcomes is Austin's boutique wellness studio focusing on functional fitness and sports recovery. Located in Southeast Austin, AO provides services such as personal training, group classes, pre- and postnatal training, nutrition coaching, massage therapy, chiropractic, recovery compression boots, and MSW lounge vitamin shots. It's your one-stop shop for health and fitness. Check them out on social media at Athletic Outcomes to stay up to date with their events and programs. All right, guys, welcome to the How Do You Health podcast. Man, we haven't done one of these in a while, John. I know, it's been like a month. Uh, we got Mr. Boris Pesikov here. I got that right, huh? You did? Hell yeah. Pesikov. We're going to be talking about alternative investment strategies. Well, maybe strategies and then just like the idea of alternative investments. That's going to be crypto, gold, silver, and the state of the U.S. monetary economy. Ooh, that's a good one. Right? Yeah. So uh, Boris is a great friend of ours. And uh, he, you became like a brother to us. Like a, like first day. The like, first day. Yeah. I was about to say, you have this presence of like, you already know Boris is here. Right, like before hmm. he walks in the door, and I love it. And so when you came in the door, it was Ani Lee, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they were like, "Dude, mm -hmm. you gotta meet this guy." And I was like, "Why?" And he's like, Dude, "You're gonna love him. Like, you're just absolutely love him." And I was like, "That's badass." All right, well, hell yeah. So you came in, we started talking, started talking about, um, I guess, supplements. Really, mm -hmm. right? We talked about supplements, mm -hmm. and you understood brain chemistry, biochemistry very well, which was awesome. You have your own personal story about health and wellness, mm -hmm. which is amazing. And I do believe we've talked about that already, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so uh, the other thing that we really talk about a lot lately is the crypto. Yeah. And what's interesting now, it's a hot topic, mm -hmm. right? Just It should be. Um, if you're not paying attention, you, I guess you should be now, right? And so yeah. uh, kind of walk us through what cryptocurrency really is. Um, well, there are micro level explanations and micro, macro level explanations. And the macro level is the cryptocurrencies in general, especially decentralized cryptocurrencies, are a revolution. They are a major part of our society transitioning from society 1.0 into society 2.0 from on, on in, every, in every single aspect. Mm -hmm. um, they are revolutionizing finance. They are eating Wall Street's lunch. They are making uh, conventional banking institutions obsolete uh, by destroying all the costs and all the middleman stuff. Uh, they are um, also by <laughs> changing the concept of banking hours, the nine to five. I mean, you know, some of the attributes, we'll talk about Bitcoin, but just so the viewers and the listeners know, there are over 8,700 different crypto projects out there. And not all of them are cryptocurrencies. Maybe like 20 of them are actual cryptocurrencies. The other of them are just 
companies that are has, that have set up their concept on a blockchain. And what is a blockchain? We can start with that. It's basically a there are centralized blockchains and there are decentralized blockchains. A centralized blockchain is something like a company can put together for, their, for themselves to run their own network so that they can control it, but still have everything to be accounted for. So a blockchain is basically a very secure, uh, a very high-performance um, piece of accounting software, a very sophisticated piece of accounting software. Um, and when I say accounting software, I can't even do it justice to actually to justify that word. It's it's a ledger. It's it tracks all information um, very securely, very safely. And the Bitcoin, for example, the Bitcoin blockchain has never been hacked, ever. There is no technology that exists in today's world, as far as we know, that can hack the Bitcoin blockchain because the word cryptocurrencies comes from the the word cryptography, and cryptography has been used by the CIA. Was created by the CIA to to keep their information as secure as possible. It's a set of ever-changing numbers that change every X amount of minutes or seconds depending on the blockchain and their protocol. So you have the blockchain that basically tracks everything and accounts for everything universally across the globe. So so the Bitcoin blockchain we have right now, as far as we know, there are about um, 50 to 60 million users or wallets who use the Bitcoin network or part of the Bitcoin network. And then there are miners that support this network through supporting the actual operating and and uh, the movement and the security of the blocks itself. So you have that network. And on top of that network, you can build other stuff. You can build currencies. You can build different software applications to track different things. And the blockchain makes everything much more efficient, much more effective, cost-effective, um, it's universal. For example, the Bitcoin blockchain. What is it? Why is it so valuable? Why is it so interesting? It's global. There are no borders. It's not connected to any single government in the world. It's censorship resistant. It's decentralized. It's not controlled by a group of people or an individual. It can't be shut down. You can't raid an office, the Bitcoin office right now and shut them down because it doesn't exist. It's everywhere. So it's every single user. It's every single miner. And sure, there are large concentrations of miners in China and other places in the world. But even if you shut those down, there's still millions of miners all across the globe. I always talk about this. If you want to, you know, people are like, well, Bitcoin, you know, it's really bad for business, for governments, right? It is. It's, it's, the, it's, a, it's a government's, it's a centralized government's worst nightmare. But why haven't they, they shut, that, shut it down? Because they can't. They're trying to regulate the individuals that are using Bitcoin, but they can't regulate Bitcoin itself. Like I talk about this, even if all the 185 or 87 countries got together and simultaneously banned Bitcoin, mm-hmm. we don't know that if that would be effective. It probably well, would not be. Because I would still put a value to it. Exactly. And so what China did in 2017 is they banned the use of all cryptocurrencies. So what did the Chinese citizens do? They very quickly found VPNs and onion routers and different ways to change their IP addresses to still log into the network and use and utilize Bitcoin and transact with it. So it's it's a it's a government's nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> you can't not control this. This is this is and I love how you open with revolution. Mm-hmm. I mean that's exactly what it is. And it it almost it's incredible because you compare that to when someone says I'm gonna vote with my dollar by getting organic food, farm to table. Mm-hmm. This is on a major scale. This is a worldwide I will affect someone in Africa 
with this decision, right? 100%. 100%. We're all interconnected with it. And it gives us, it gives the reason why. So to me, I talk about it, about this in, in my course. To me, Bitcoin and decentralized cryptocurrencies are the best type of a peaceful revolution that an individual or a group of individuals can be a part of without having to fire a single shot. It's just us saying, you know what? We are choosing to opt out of this current broken, corrupt system and go into a system that is not controlled by any government or any central authority where we are in charge and we set the market, period. And we can transact with one another 24-7, 365. Mm -hmm. I can literally send $5 million to my friend in Mozambique, Africa at 2 a.m. on a Sunday morning and have it be there in Bitcoin right in under 10 minutes and just with a few dollars worth of transaction fees if it goes from my personal wallet to his personal wallet or her personal wallet. Yeah. That is freedom. That is security. There's, no, there's, uh, you know, there's nothing more secure right now if you know how to actually hold and store your Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies than, 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 than this particular you know, asset. There's, 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 there's nothing more secure, not even gold. Wow. That's that's incredible. I mean, so you talk about gold and you talk about silver mm -hmm. and, you know, originally it's interesting. Cryptocurrency is a value. It's a thought process. It's a belief, right? Like we all just put value on this. Gold and silver is what initially was backing the U.S. dollar, mm -hmm. right? Okay. And so Baldo and I would always talk about this. And I'm like, well, I don't understand. Like they print more money. They don't get more gold. You know, like what happens there? Like it has to be, and he's like, well, they don't actually even back it anymore. No. Yeah. So, um, so I'll give you guys a little bit of just history 101, but not for dummies. Um, so up until 1913, uh, was it 1913? 1813. We'll, we'll get the facts. 1813. Uh, private organization comprising of wealthy politicians, bankers, and businessmen who basically <laughs> lobbied... December 23rd, 1913. 1913, thank yeah. you. Wh who basically lobbied to gain access of our country's monetary system. So they are the ones that um, decide how much money to print, along with Congress, of course, but they have the final say. And they also set our country's uh, interest rates. So up until then... The dollar was backed up by gold, and to to a certain you know, to a certain fraction, right? I'm, I don't exactly know what the what the denomination was. And they came to power, and very quickly that ratio began to decline. And then in 1971, Richard Nixon magically took the dollar completely off the gold standard, because you have to understand every time the That's Fed where the gold standard comes right. Correct. So so that was the gold standard, but. But what happened was, in 1971, what that allowed them to do is, so before then, every time they needed to create a large large amount of money or print a large amount of money, they would have to go out and buy the gold in order to back it up. So they would have something to answer for, right? It would cost them. Now, when they disconnected, in 1971, when they disconnected from the gold standard, the, the cost to create money basically became free. Yeah, they would issue bonds and all that mm -hmm. BS that I call, um, but... Essentially, it was free. And now, the cost, and I talk about this, to create a single dollar or a trillion dollars mm. is literally just a click of a mouse. 
that's it. There's no cost associating with printing a U.S. dollar. And the crazy part about it is that there is no ceiling. There is no finite amount that they can create. We, we, you know, there used to be measures in place that would say, listen, you, can't, you can only create X amount. You can only print 2% more every single year. Well, <laughs> I'll give you a crazy statistic. Over 22% of all the money created in the last 100 years was created in the last 12 months. 22%? Yeah. It's almost a quarter. And by the way, they're about to print two more trillion. It's yeah. going to get us to a quarter. Right. Or probably over. So let's just say over 25% of all the money that was printed in the last 100 years since the Fed came to power was printed in the last 12 months. And that leads to something called inflation. Right. The definition of inflation, actually, funny enough, was rewritten the same year as the Federal Reserve was formed in uh, 1913. How magical. Right. And what it said before they came to power is that the definition of inflation is basically the addition or sharp increase of monetary supply into the existing monetary supply. So what it does is when you're printing lots of money, what does it do? It dilutes the existing supply mm -hmm. and therefore reduces its value. So right now, and, th and that's what we call the current rate of inflation. So the U.S. government, if you ask them and if, if they print and talk about everywhere, their current rate of inflation is somewhere between 2 and 3% based on how they measure it. But they measure it in a way that suits them and makes them look good. The actual rate of inflation is measured by um, economists that I respect. In, in a way that I think is more accurate, is exceeding 15% right now. What was it before the past 12 months? Uh, for the last decade, yeah. it's been somewhere between 7 to 8%. That's wow. how much money they were printing wow. since 20, so it 2008. Doubled. It doubled. Yeah. So but what does that mean? People are like, what does that mean that the inflation rate, is, you know, current rate of inflation is 15%? It means that the dollar is losing its value at that particular rate on an annual basis. So I'll give you an example. If you had $100,000 in a bank account last year or a year ago, and the rate of inflation is at 15%, that means at the end of that year, that $100,000 would be worth $85,000 or would have the purchasing power of $85,000 because the prices of assets, goods, and services are increasing and the dollar is losing its value. Yep. So, you're, so basically your money if it sits in a bank account, not doing anything and not gaining any interest, it's melting, literally melting. And just to, to make people understand that this is very important because people are like, I have friends who invest in real estate. I have friends who own stocks. I have friends who own different equities, et cetera. And, and they're like, well, you know, we're making, an, we're making our return on investment. I'm like, well, what's your return on investment? Well, well my, you know, my property is appreciating at 8% a year. I'm like, wonderful. The current rate of inflation is at 15% and it's exceeding. And honestly, by I think within the next 12 months, we'll exceed 25%. They can't stop printing money. This machine, the second they stop printing money, it this entire thing we call the U.S. economy and the global economy goes down completely. It cannot sustain itself anymore. So you can only continue to print money and you can only continue to dilute the existing supply. And therefore, the rate of inflation has to increase. Yeah. That's the simple, <laughs> basic 101, and, yeah. it, and it's not for dummies because, like you said that, because this is what we've kind of realized. You know, I don't have a finance background, but I, I Well, you're like, well, I'm still making 8%. That's more than yeah, nothing. Yeah, but right. that's the thing. As, a, as an outsider kind of looking in, 
eight percent is kind of like the gold standard is what anyone's ever told you like they're like well, if you just leave, leave that in there for 20 30 years mm-hmm. you get eight percent i mean it's not doing anything i'm like yeah but if i leave it in the bank it's better than actually it used to say like you can leave it in the mattress and you'd have more value there I told you yesterday, I was like, man, you could probably leave in the mattress. You're still losing value on it in yeah. the mattress right now. It doesn't matter. Cash cash is cash, and it is melting. Unless your investment is outperforming the current rate of inflation, which is 15%, then you are losing money, right. yes. period. And by the time you are done reallocating that investment to another investment in the next several months, yeah. it'll probably be 20%. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. So you have a course coming out, which I want to get to sure. in a second. But uh, you also, one thing that I do want to get into, because we'd like to do histories, is you come from the traditional finance world, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you excelled in that world as well, yeah. living in New York. Mm-hmm. New York City. So tell us about, about that and then what made you exit. Yeah. So I, I started uh, a little bit over 15 years ago. I started in residential real estate. I lived in Boston, went to high school and college in Boston. And then I moved to New York and got involved in commercial real estate, uh, banking. I worked for a subsidiary of Deutsche Bank and uh, was a financial analyst and portfolio manager. Closed just under $2 billion worth of deals when I was there. Well, not me, just my team alone, but I was definitely uh, involved in that. Worked in private equity for private equity funds in the commercial real estate sector, investment sector. advised on the acquisitions and acquisitions and, and uh, uh, dispositions of hotels, office buildings, uh, land for sale all over the country, actually all over the world too. Uh, Belize, Mexico, um, was involved in, you know, and slowly got involved in, as I was working in commercial real estate, I uh, got involved in other finance businesses. I ran a debt restructuring company. We advised businesses as to how to restructure that debt. Uh, they had toxic debt with toxic lenders and we'd have you know, teams of lawyers that would help them out. Um, I did that for a while, and, and then I got into alternative investments. I got into understanding the power of gold, the power of silver, what's happening in, the, in, in those industries, how they were being manipulated by companies like J.P. Morgan. And then Bitcoin came on the market in 2000, late 2008. I read about it. I didn't really pay much attention to it. And slowly, surely, uh, as time went on, this, it became much more interesting. And in 2016, I got involved in cryptocurrencies, but not in Bitcoin. And then 20, late 2016, early 2017 is when Bitcoin really came on my radar and I started to learn more about it and realized that there's something here. And since then, I've been on this, on this ride. I still have a tremendous amount of respect for other investments, alternative investments, even some equities and some stocks. Uh, and I'm still... I certainly hold positions in, in, in those assets, gold, silver, or the stocks. But cryptocurrencies now account for over 70% of my total investment portfolio. And that's how much faith I have in them. And it's due to my understanding. So, yeah, Correct. that's where I'm at. No, that's perfect. Well, because people say, how do you become an expert at crypto? It's so new. But it's like, but it isn't. It's been around for, Bitcoin has been around for over 12 years. Yeah, like maybe it's newer that it's so popular now, right? Yeah. Like maybe that concept, but it, the technology has been there forever. Yeah, been there for a long time. For a long, long time. A long it's time. just like now we're applying it to like, why would I value this over like the dollar? Well, because it's fucking losing money. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the issue that I find with especially a lot of older people who come from traditional finance is that it's such a huge paradigm. It's such a huge shift to, trim, to, to jump from the, um, from the legacy financial system and thinking to a new virtual 
way of thinking that's out there in the cloud, super secure, uses cryptography and completely different technology. It's it's a it's a it's a mind jump, and it takes a little while. It took me a while to wrap my mind around the concept of mining or creating Bitcoin and how it works and how the network works. And I mean, I still probably don't understand quite a bit compared to what a programmer does. I I'm an investor. I need to understand my I I have a certain level of depth that I need to understand any investment at. Uh, and that to me is acceptable for me to make informed decisions based on my investment strategy for the next three to five years. And that's all I care about. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I, um, I've actually started my crypto and when you said the whole revolution piece, it, it kind of goes back to it. I mean, you go back to ancient civilizations and you see just, I remember learning about when, trade first started mm-hmm. and the barter system and the value within precious metals you know just started uh iron started a whole revolution that was different in war um you look at what gold when that was finally discovered as well i mean gold and silver are still true to this day from what i understand right so tell me tell me more about gold and silver like how would i go about investing in gold and silver and why would i well there um so gold was you know back gold was it used to back up the U.S. dollar and many other different currencies around the world. Gold and silver has been used for thousands of years as actual stores of value. Not silver, I think the, the U.S. Uh, government disconnected from silver in the early 1800s. So silver, not as much as gold. But I love silver. I'm a huge fan of silver, even more than gold. And um, the reason is because gold right now is a store of value. It's a beautiful store of value. Um, it's a form of insurance that funds and central banks and major banks run to when the economy is unstable. We've seen it happen in 2008 and all the previous times, etc. There's lots of manipulation going on for various reasons in precious metals and even cryptocurrencies as well. Uh, but I, I haven't let go of gold and silver. People are like, well, they're, they're, they're guys who are just Bitcoin guys or cryptocurrency guys. They're, you know, they call them Bitcoin maximalists. And then they're gold bugs. And I, I'm neither. I'm both. I have a tremendous amount of respect for both. Uh, I have my certain allocation favorites, right? Amount seventy percent to crypto, thirty percent into other other assets. But I like both. But I feel that gold is going to have a substantial increase over the course of the next three to five years in terms of its price and value, because uh, there are huge funds out there who, when move when they move money, they move tens of billions at a time, and because they are beginning to understand and wrap their head around that the current rate of inflation is 15% and that a lot of the investments that they have, institutional investments, are producing probably under 10%. So they're losing money, their funds are melting, and they have to go into somewhere. Sure, they'll put a portion of it into Bitcoin, but Bitcoin's market cap right now is around $650 billion. Gold's market cap is around $10 trillion. Also, it's much easier to buy gold. You can buy it into an ETF, which is an exchange-traded fund. So let's let's... So let's go really quickly. You ask how do how does one what are different ways to buy gold and silver? You can buy the physical metal or in bars. Um, you can buy an ETF, which is exchange an exchange traded fund. That basically what it does is it takes a bunch of the top producing um, gold mining companies or or just gold storage companies or whatever in that particular sector, puts them into an in, in an index. You can buy it, and they very closely track the value of gold. Uh, you can buy uh, stock in mining companies, and you can buy stock in royalty companies, and that's what I talk about and teach in my course. And uh, I have certainly my, my favorite ways of doing it as well, and the same thing with silver. Um, so that's how you invest 
different ways to invest in these types of precious metals. Uh, so I think gold is going to do incredibly well because major institutions are going to have to go into gold or put a por portion of their portfolio into gold. But silver, what makes it different from gold, is it actually has industrial value. Gold does as well, but there's not as much as silver. I'll explain to you why. Um, a single commercial solar pa panel requires about 20 grams of silver to operate. The U.S. currently has about 50 million solar panels where uh, Biden has committed to Im increase the output by, I think, 50%. So um, huge. So, so, so there's about 500 million, I think, 500 million uh, solar panels coming in the next three to five years. China has 650 million panels and is 10xing that number in the course in the next three to five years. Uh, India and all the other countries are committed to increasing their solar output. So what does that do? Drive the demand of silver significantly sky high. Yep. Now let's not forget about the electrical car battery. Every single electrical car battery uses X amount of silver to operate. Silver is the most conductive material known to man as of right now. There's graphene, but graphene is very expensive and it's just not user-friendly at this particular moment. Uh, that's probably 20 years away. But so, so as more and more companies, car companies and manufacturers line up their products for electrical because you know the gasoline products are basically on their way out for alternative fuel yeah. yeah yeah i mean i think that within 15 years we will have very few new vehicles being made that use actual gasoline they will mostly be electrical so price of silver the demand for silver in every single way and then artificial intelligence and robotics silver so the demand for silver is going to increase exponentially over the course of the next 35 years and that will drive the price of silver sky high also there's another um another piece to take into account jp morgan is the largest commodities broker in the world um they just got fined 920 million dollars for uh manipulating precious metals particularly gold and silver how much 920 million which is nothing. It's actually a slap at the wrist yeah, because it's like a they, couple pennies. Yeah, yeah, they made between the estimate. The estimation is they made between ten and twenty billion on these trades, so yeah. you know it's nothing. Yeah. Uh, but what they did is they manipulated the price of silver and gold to stay as low as possible for many years through short contracts, while they and their partners accumulated the, a very large percentage of the actual physical metal that they store in warehouses. The short contracts have expired. They're sitting in a large, large amount of the actual physical metal. What's the next viable step? They want to drive the price of size yeah. silver as high as possible. So that's another reason why I feel and many people feel that the price of silver will go up exponentially over the course of the next three or five years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. Buy more a lot more jewelry. <laughs> I don't like gold. I have never liked wearing gold. I like wearing silver. Me neither. Me neither. But like, you know, gold has historically been a, a safe haven for people. Many people hold physical bars of gold which i don't really see much value in it uh but well, it was like ducktails right it was all fucking like <laughs> swimming in the thing of gold, gold coins, gold and coins dude well, that it's, it's age. <laughs> because historically the government you know yeah. during the great depression the government was started confiscating people's gold right so yeah. people are like we got to hoard as much of it as possible and hide as much of it as possible that's true you know? that is true it, precious metals is a very interesting thing um like I said, I looked at iron and looked at gold and silver and how it's changed the course of history. You mentioned one while ago, though, the one with the G. Was it graph? Was it graphene? Graphene. Yeah. So, like, does that have value, and is that something eventually, like, you could like invest in as well? Uh, it's the graphene is not 
there are companies that are developing it. It's the process is not perfected. It's very, very expensive. It's not cost effective to use it in any materials yet. Yeah. But it is the most conductive material known to man by far. Even more conductive than than silver. But just that there isn't any viable technology that can make it cost effective at this particular moment. Yeah. Um, and again, I think it's many you, years down the road. Well, I guess it's more. Will you looking. be wearing a fucking graphene like chain or what? Well, no. <laughs> actually, it's funny. I'm actually like my skin. I couldn't wear gold or silver because it just it tore my skin. But uh, I just wonder, like, can you invest in heavy metals? Like, is it is that a thing? Like, you can just say you can do copper. You know, I I don't I don't know any public companies or any companies where you can invest in graphene at this particular moment. So there are probably private ventures. I'm sure there are many private ventures. I actually had a client that I used to represent in commercial real estate who is in the process of trying to put together $100 million to build a graphene plant. Uh, but uh, So you can invest in those types of ventures, yeah. but not you know not publicly, no. not in like a fund so, or an index. So it's gold and silver. I mean, there are other, there are other metals. Uranium is supposed to do very well as we go into nuclear power as well. Yeah, uh, but I have no interest in in that, in, in that space. I get you. you know? I get you. That's cool. So now, <laughs> I, I, like I said, with with the metals, gold and silver has been kind of those you've known it's good for you. But if you're gonna have it at home, you, what are you gonna do? You melt it down, right? I mean, that's essentially what it is. Yeah. So um, when it comes to the concept of owning physical metal, here's my thought on it. Um, there are many people who feel that if you don't have the physical metal in your position, you don't own it. They don't trust the funds and the indexes, et cetera, or the mining companies. I don't agree with that. I'm an investor. For me, it's very important for my investments to be as liquid as possible. Meaning, if I wake up in the morning and I hear a piece of news that I don't like, yeah. I can always liquidate my position within the next couple hours. Yeah. With gold and silver, you have to call your broker, tell them that you're sending your gold and silver to them. You have to go to the post office or UPS. You have to mail it. You have to insure it. Yep. And then you run the risk, a small risk, but a risk of having that package being lost or stolen. Of course. If it gets lost and stolen, you can spend weeks or months trying to recover the insurance money. and you, So you just lost weeks or months yeah. in your trading position. Yeah. So to me, as, a, as, as an investor, the physical gold is, and the physical silver is a very bad investment. Having said that, I own a very, very small amount of it just because it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> like you know you have a little bar of gold or bar of silver sitting in your in your, in your vault you open up oh, it looks nice it's shiny but that's about it for me <laughs> that's so awesome oh, oh, all right so let's, let me go back to the crypto all right so all right so let's say i'm starting off in day one you know and i'm just thinking like i don't know what to do i'm still having my Traditional investments. I have IRAs. I mean, I don't know if people still have CDs, but I imagine there's people that still have bonds and there's people that might have a bunch of, you know, merit trades and stuff that they're doing on a daily basis, right? Mm -hmm. Trade traders. So when you talk to like the old school, they really say like crypto. I mean, I heard someone the other day, they're like, crypto, like, come on, man. Like, that's not going to, nah. I mean, it's this country and they talked about how much they're investing back into maybe the economy and all that stuff and i'm like yeah but that's not really solving the problems that i'm hearing right like the, the you know it's it sounds to me like it's not as simple as printing more money because if you were in the business standpoint you don't spend what you don't have right mm -hmm. and what's crypto when i first heard about it 
this theory, this revolutionary theory of just saying, if the people need a form of currency, I mean, it's really could have been laughter, right? It could have been, I mean, it could have been food, could have been sure. precious metals, which has been the course throughout history. But because we're in the digital age and we're about to embark on the AI age, right? Like it's, it's about to get really interesting. Yeah. So if you're not investing in crypto, you could honestly say you're probably behind. Um, you can say that. Yeah. I think that every individual that is interested in investing should have at least a certain percentage of their investment overall investment portfolio in Bitcoin or various other cryptocurrencies based yeah. on their risk appetite. Yeah. And this is catching on. Not just regular individuals, but major funds. I mean, in 2020, in the last six months, what we've seen is an influx of just crazy, crazy volume of institutional investments. You know, MicroStrategies invests $1.2 billion into Bitcoin. Mass Mutual Company of America, one of the largest funds, they have, I think, uh, $30 billion. Yeah. Invested $100 million into Bitcoin. Square, $50 million. And all these other companies are, are running... Uh, Paul Tudor Jones, all these other companies and individuals, Wall Street guys are running to put a portion of their net worth into Bitcoin. Why? Because there's never been an asset that's performed and has had the type of returns that Bitcoin has had in the last 12 years. I'll give you some statistics very quickly, and I talk about this in my course. 2010 to 2020 investment data shows that Netflix, their stock gained 4,177%. Amazon was like around a thousand percent, and then a few companies that were eight hundred percent, and Microsoft was five hundred percent, Disney was three hundred percent, four thousand one hundred seventy-seven percent. That's great. I mean, any investor would say, "Wow, for me to park my money into, you know, so f- just to give you an idea, if you park to have gone back, yeah, and parked my money in Netflix would have been awesome. Awesome for for, for within a ten-year ten-year period to gain four thousand percent. That's awesome. You know what Bitcoin did? Eight point nine million percent within that same time frame so the difference between 8.9 million percent and 4100 percent is universes apart not worlds apart yeah yeah. (laughs) um yeah sure bitcoin was a new asset it came out when it came out it was a fraction of a penny it wasn't much value in it it was difficult to transact mostly you know programmers and coders were getting into it but the but the value of the asset appreciated and it appreciated due to real organic market growth uh, based on demand. And one of the things that gives Bitcoin a tremendous amount of stability is that it has a ceiling as to how much of it can be created. There can only be 21 million Bitcoin ever created based on this code and protocol. You can never create more than that. Right now we're at 18.5 million Bitcoin being created. We know exactly how many Bitcoin created on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. We know exactly what, what the cost is. We know exactly what the miners are paid. We know every single thing about Bitcoin. It's so transparent, whereas we don't know anything about the dollar. The Federal Reserve hasn't allowed an external public audit since 1995. Hmm. And, and, and that's, why, that's how they're keeping us, the people, and the institutions in the dark. If you are an, if you are an organization that's responsible for the creation of money for a country like the U.S., the largest economy in the world, and you set interest rates, how do you not allow an audit? Why would you not allow an audit? You have something to hide. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, the other thing about it is some people will talk about how it's still 
too big of a risk to go into Bitcoin, but like as you having all these companies invest huge amounts mm-hmm. of money, hundred million at a time, fifty million at a time, there's no turning back at this point. There's no turning back. Uh, I think that the Bitcoin, the cryptocurrency train, has already left. Uh, cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin are a very volatile investment, meaning that they move up and down in very large percentages. But based on my experience and my knowledge of this industry, I've been involved in it for three and a half, almost four years. Um, if you are a long-term investor, like my view on investments is this, three to five years. I very rarely get into investment that I'm planning on being in for three to six months. Once in a while, if I know something. But I, I'm not in that business. I don't like to create stress for myself. So in my personal opinion and my personal experience and based on what I know historically about Bitcoin and the cryptocurrency space, a three to five year investment is an incredible investment. Yes, there's going to be volatility in the midst, but the probability of you having significant gains, um, I call it a conservative 10x, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is a thousand percent, by the way. <laughs> so if you put just for so, so people who are not finance people, a 10x is if you invest a thousand, a $10,000 and the 10x is it turns into $100,000 in, you know, let's just say three to five years or possibly even less. Yeah. Wow. That's great. It's, and I mean, I can live with that. Yeah. Yeah. You know. I mean, I mean pa- you, passive income. <laughs> it's it's an incredible time to get into this market, and it's really like I remember having this conversation with a friend like a year or two ago, actually, and I had to talk with him again recently. He said he got out of it because mm-hmm. he wasn't. I don't know. He was like, I don't know why he got out of it. To tell you the truth, like he was just like, I should have stayed in. He should get that looked at. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> what the hell was that about? <laughs> Because I'm like, you hear this conversation, and you're like, all right. People are like, all right, I need to sign up for the course. I need to actually like start, you know, investing right now. Baldo was like, I'm pulling my RA, like I'm I'm switching it over. Completely. Oh, we had this great talk. Yeah. Day, right? Well, because yeah. you, you made a point to me, right? Because it's like, and I and then I I followed it up with like, well, I guess before I had this money, because I used to not save whatsoever. I just recently started saving in the past couple of years, mm-hmm. and I was like, well, before, two years ago I didn't have any money, now it's fine. So, like, to risk it is totally fine as well, too, right? Yeah. And so, and I don't really see it as big of a risk as I, as I was imagining it to myself when I actually like took everything down. It's like, well, what does this really mean if this happens or that happens? Like, well, that just means I lost X amount. That's nothing. Like, it's not a big deal. I'm fucking thirty. I don't even know how old I am. Thirty, thirty-one? No, thirty-eight. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty-seven, right? Twenty-seven. <laughs> Way off. Take the take the average. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, but but you you mentioned uh, what was I getting to? <laughs> Damn it, I lost my secret. Twenty-seven. Your, your IRA, how you cashed yeah. out your IRA yeah. and why you did it? Well, because well, you 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 mentioned that right, like mm-hmm. the idea that like well, you know, what is the risk there? right like is the mm-hmm. risk more of like are you just gonna be like dead like are you gonna be homeless all of a sudden mm-hmm. because you lost ten thousand dollars or or, or or well i guess not yeah like, yeah i wouldn't be like yeah. i'm fine no. yeah and so and maybe for someone else that number is bigger than that but that's what it was for me right and, and well, at the same time it's like i have so much time like i don't understand well, what the big rush is as opposed to like we were talking about like I, I did this the other day because there's a coin or well, even on 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 voyager i'll just I'll, I'll throw it out there right voyager if you put just us dollar coin which is a one-to-one is paying 8.5 percent right and so it's like interest yeah and then i'm interest correct on just having it in there so i was like why the fuck am i having all this like money on my regular savings account that gives me 0.05 yeah. percent 
and nothing's happening well i'd rather just move it over there and it's nothing's really happening there either but i'm making a lot more like what is it 800 percent? well over three to five if you take the equation like what boris says three to five years you're looking at it saying all right what's going to be the bigger return in three to five years i mean at that point you're probably going to be higher up than what you're just doing keeping it just safe and conservative and then you can decide what you want to do then because i mean I look at it this way now. There's all kinds of ways to approach how you do investment. Like you talked about, like you didn't miss to save that much and all that as well. Well, it's really interesting because saving is not like you can save 20 bucks. I mean, it's not a whole lot. Like some people think, oh, I have to spend thousands of dollars to start investing. It's like, no, you just start putting a little bit aside. Like you used yeah, to, yeah. You, what'd you do? You put like 10 bucks aside for something, like for a trip or something. Yeah, well, I still do that. Yeah, it's like I put 10 but bucks that's aside. My, that's my way to budget. Like I don't, I don't budget by like, Hey, I'm gonna allocate X amount. It's like, no, I'm gonna save up to that. Yeah, like mm-hmm. I'd rather just do that. Like, yeah. it's just, well, because the, then sometimes I'm like, you know what? I'm a hundred dollars shy. I can do a hundred now. Well, what's <laughs> crazy about it? If you want like just real time, you know, data, you can get on the app and like you said, twenty four seven. Like you're ch- you're seeing it in real time, and you're like, hmm, that went down. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna go ahead and just do this now because it could be Sunday morning, yeah. right? Like yeah. it, you could be Sunday night. Like yeah. it's 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 really cool. Yeah, but with regards to Let's just say your scenario, the, you know, your IRA account. Uh, before I say this, by the way, I want to preface that this is not financial advice. Correct. <laughs> I am not a financial advisor. We are not financial advisors. Yep. We're just three friends that are bullshitting and talking and just sharing That's our right. opinions. Yeah, I'm just telling you, I'm definitely not a financial advisor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and I was just sharing my thought process on why I did what I yeah. did, but yeah. that's definitely yeah. yeah. But I just, I, I just <laughs> want, I just want everyone listening yeah. to know and keep yeah. that in mind. Yep. But here's my view on conventional. And I talk about this in my course as well, conventional IRA, retirement accounts, et cetera. Do you know how much you were making on an annual basis with your retirement account, with your IRA account? No. Eight percent? Seven percent? Hopefully eight percent. Let's do this. Let's be kind. Let's just say ten percent. Oh man. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm a really nice That's fellow. Very kind. Ten <laughs> percent. Can I invest in your IRA? <laughs> 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 so so ten percent. The current rate of inflation is 15%, so your IRA is devaluing by 5% per year. Congratulations. Yes. You explained <laughs> that to me last night. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. And, you know, chances are you're not getting 10%. You're not getting 10%. And then, you know, 7% plus the fees that they take on on an annual basis, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which is, which is minor, but it all adds up at the end of the day, right? So here is what, which is what I did with my IRA. You know, I was also around 7 8% for a long time, and my parents as well. I cashed them out completely. So when you cash out an IRA, um, if you cash out before the age of 65, uh, there's a penalty fee, and it's 10%. Wonderful. And then you have to pay at the end of the year, you have to pay gains on the taxes, right? Uh, taxes on the gains, I'm sorry. Taxes on um, gains, yeah. So which is very, very small as well. You know, it's not, it's not a very big amount, whatever your tax rate is. So even though you lose the 10% and you pay some in taxes, if you take that money and reinvest it into alternative assets, which will outperform the rate of inflation, and probably, you know, um, <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll be conservative. I'll, my current, my my return on investment, my personal portfolio in the last twelve months is well over a thousand percent. So That's in twelve months. It's just in twelve months. Yeah, I'm, you know, it's well over a thousand percent, right? I'm not even going to go back and talk to you about what I did in my last twenty-four months because um, people are not going to believe me. So. So for me to lose 10% here and maybe 10% there and take that money and then make 1,000%, but let's just say that the market doesn't perform like I did the last 12 months. Let's just say I make a conservative 100%. Damn it. 
you know. So 100% minus the 15% that you may have paid, et cetera, you still made, you know, 85%, yeah. right? So if you think of it from that way, yes, sure, there's, there are certain risks involved with regards to investing in cryptocurrencies and alternative assets. They're volatile, et cetera. Uh, but there's also a huge risk staying in an IRA and a conventional account. And you understood that because your money is literally melting. It's actually the greatest form of theft that the government has ever instilled upon its people. And uh, it's, being, it's, not, it's being covered up. And I don't mean to sound like a quote-unquote conspiracy theorist, <laughs> but this is true. And anybody who understands real finance understands what's happening. Uh, the whole thing of you know, the, 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 the money expansion, the money printing, people, people think it's good because they're getting a $2,000 stimulus check. Nice. Companies, corporations are happy because they're getting a nice little you know, PPE cut. But it's actually the greatest form of theft because what it does on the back end is it devalues the money that they already have and the, yeah. and the money that they're getting yeah. and the money that they're making. Yeah. So it looks good on the front end, but on the back end, in the big picture, in the long picture, it's crazy. So I'll give you an example, right? Let's say you have $100,000 sitting in the bank account and the current rate of inflation is just, say, 15%. Let's say it doesn't grow for the next three years. Yeah. Let's say it's at 15%. You're losing $15,000 per year. Yeah. $15,000 times three is, what, 45000 In three years, you've lost half of the value of your savings account. Just some numbers for yep. people to understand what the fuck is going on. And and that's why in my personal position, and you know, I, I also manage my, my family's money as well. I can't afford to keep my family's money and my money in conventional accounts that are unperforming the current rate of inflation. It's melting. The money that we work so hard for, the money that we pay taxes on, that we sweat it over, is melting, is being stolen from us. Because the people at the top are printing money, pocketing a large percentage of it, yeah. and giving a large percentage to, co to companies that can buy up their own stock and inflate the stock market, which is a completely different topic. Yeah, and if you're younger and working a ten dollar an hour job, you're you're now working for eight fifty dollars, eight dollars and fifty cents an hour. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and that eight dollars fifty cents an hour is being decreased by fifteen percent. <laughs> yeah, that's why they raised the minimum wage, right? Just to kind of off, maybe throw a bone. They 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 didn't raise it to offset the 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 the, the minimum rate, the, the inflation rate. They raised it because they just there was too much pressure coming on them. They raised it because they had to, not because they wanted to, not yeah. because they're being kind. Well, because cost of living keeps going up, right? I mean, think about it. Inflation's never going down, is it? No, it's only going to increase. I think we'll be at well over fifty percent within the next twenty four to thirty six months. Yeah, I mean, it's never going down. Cost of living is always going up. Like, it, I mean, it just, it seems like it right now. It, 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 it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be, but it can in some people. It, and, it, and the, the, the cost of living and the, the, the cost, like, for example, let's, let's think about this way. Let's say you're a company, yeah. right? And you're currently operating at a cost that, you know, of 10% per year. Right. The more efficient and effective you become, the more you scale, the lower your cost should become. Uh -huh. Right? Yep. The same thing as applies to the world and the country and the food we eat and restaurants and the cars we drive. But instead, the prices keep on rising. Yep. Why? Because of the inflation rate is, is out of control. It's, an, it's inaccurate. Um, so, so could this drive down the inflation? Like, would it, could would it, could it, like imagine that most people put their money in crypto now, and then it drives down inflation to the point where like the dollar becomes a little devalued, and then at that point they stop, and then it becomes a little obsolete, and then the dollar gains value again down the road. I, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think that people investing into crypto... Uh, decreases the rate of inflation. Um, 
one kind of doesn't have anything to do with the other from yeah. uh, from where I sit. It's just people investing into cryptocurrencies or Bitcoin is just people choosing to opt out of the existing operating system that we live in, out of the matrix, if you want to call it, and getting into another system where we all control and share the value of the system and it can't be manipulated by an external government. Can't you can't overprint, overcreate, but you get so the very nature of the US dollar, the way it's designed, is that it is inflationary. You can only continue to create more and more and more of it, and you have to. The very nature of Bitcoin is that it is deflationary, meaning it has a ceiling. Which we haven't met. We haven't met, not yeah. even close. Right now, a Bitcoin as of this morning is what, 32,000? I think so, yes. Give or take, my personal opinion, and this is just my opinion, I think the end of this year will be at around 250,000. I think that within the next 10 to 15 years, we'll be at 15 million per Bitcoin, maybe even more, because there are not, there aren't too many safe havens out there. So the current global monetary supply of all the all the currencies, mm -hmm. U.S. dollar, francs, mm -hmm. etc., is it's estimated as around at around 100 trillion dollars. The current global um, market, in terms of all the assets and and the monetary supply, is around 300 trillion. And of those assets are losing significant amount of their value due to inflation, because inflation isn't just in the United States. Mm -hmm. Japan has crazy inflation. Yeah. Like, like uh, I, I don't even know what it is. Last time I checked, it's probably over 30%. I mean, Great Britain, Italy, Spain, Germany, all these countries are melting. They're all, we're not the only ones. We're actually, and a lot of them are tied to the dollar, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that's still what they value the, the most? Sure. Well, the, the, the dollar is the global reserve currency, right? It's what all of the main countries use as a unit of measurement when trading amongst one another, when they're trading gold, silver, commodities, oil, energy, etc. So it is. So we are in the best shape, <laughs> and we're in a horrible shape. What does that say for all the other countries in the world? <laughs> like Turkey is melting. Venezuela is melting, right? So what does that say? So... My, the point I'm trying to make is that the $300 trillion in assets, the individuals, the companies that control them, they're not idiots. Sooner or later, they're going to have to, and this is what Michael Saylor talks about, who is the CEO of MicroStrategy, who put $1.2 billion in Bitcoin. And it makes a very good point. Because all these companies are going to have no choice but to eventually seek a safe haven asset. And as far as, he, he does, he's not a big fan of gold and silver. But as far as I'm concerned, there's gold, there's silver, and there are cryptocurrencies. And sure, there are some equities, some big companies like Amazon, Tesla, sure. But not all of that is going to go into there and it's going to be distributed. And that's why this industry, the Bitcoin and the cryptocurrency, and the entire network, the entire industry is still at its infancy. People are like, bro, Bitcoin's at 32,000, it hit 40,000 a couple weeks ago. Like, it's way too expensive. It's, uh, it's, it, it's, 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 it's hit its ceiling. I'm like, man, <laughs> if you only understood the scales at which the world economies operate where we are it's at its infancy it hasn't even started yet like in my again and this is my personal opinion and the opinion of many other people that are in this space i see we're at thirty-two thousand again today i see it at 15 million plus in 10 to 15 years what kind of growth is that i don't do the math <laughs> yeah. yeah correct and it's, it's really interesting because uh, i was recently traveling abroad and that was the one thing i kept checking is like my the crypto for, for whatever reason this is like it's interesting because i'm in a different world they value different money 
but I was still having crypto conversations mm -hmm. about the same crypto coins in another part of the world, mm -hmm. right? Which is, I thought it's cool. like, it's really neat because I can't talk to these people about a dollar because they don't take dollars. Anymore. Sure. Right? Like maybe their governments deal with dollars, but they don't. Mm -hmm. Like they want their money their way here, mm -hmm. right? Um, they'll take my credit card, right? Because they'll they'll, they'll, they'll transfer. That adjusts. Uh, but, uh, but that couldn't give them a dollar no. or two. No. Yeah, the best thing, again, I keep on saying this, the best thing about cryptocurrencies is that it is a global currency for all the people in the world. Yeah. We're all the same. You know, the U.S. dollar is for mostly U.S. people living in, in the U.S. The, you know, the euro is mostly for people in Europe, et cetera, et cetera. This is global. It connects the people closer together, literally. It's a global revolution that connects the people closer together on one network and keeps the governments out. <laughs> what could be better? What could be better for 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 support and, and, and as, as a catalyst for us to move into this, uh, you know, this this new way of being and living more harmoniously, peacefully, in a healthy manner, right? Society 2.0 that's around the corner. That's just in my opinion, like I somewhere agree. between seven to ten years away from here. I know? agree. I agree, and it could be shorter depending. I mean, could be this last year accelerated a lot. Yeah, and it, and what's interesting since we mentioned health. We have a self-destructive button, like on all of us, mm -hmm. like we're born with it, and so you can kind of say we have a predetermined time here. And what we're trying to do is figure out how to prolong that. That's longevity. That's health. That's anti-aging. Whatever you want to call it. But whenever you do something like trauma or stress, you accelerate and you hit the self-destruct button a few more times than you should. And with society, the way it's been, I mean. What I have learned is things will evolve. Things are not stagnant. Change is always constant, right? So society 2.0, I do agree there's a change coming. It's I, already here. It's here. And if you haven't paid attention, like, I don't know what you're watching. Yeah. I don't know what you're listening to. But you have to be recession-proof. I've heard that before. Especially last year, a lot of people were talking about, well, you remember the Great Depression 100 years ago, and people had to... You know, people were jumping off buildings. And what was interesting, if you just look at history, okay, let's talk about the Spanish flu, all right? Mm -hmm. 1918, right was after that was the Roaring Twenties, mm -hmm. all right? Or 2021. And then what was later after the Roaring Twenties? The Great Depression. Mm -hmm. And to be recession depression proof, is your transition into society 2.0 because we're talking the digital age now, mm -hmm. right? Where if you haven't realized by now, you don't own physical properties. Physical properties own you, mm -hmm. right? The almighty dollar owns people mm -hmm. and it makes people make bad decisions and good decisions. But when you take that out of the way and say, I don't have to worry about a consciousness with this thing. It's just, it's got a, a good conscious of its own. It's decentralized. It's, it's part of the revolution. You can focus on other things. And what I would look at is your own portfolio and investment can also be your health. Mm -hmm. And the reason why we met was because of health, mm -hmm. which is really cool. And even the article you showed us this past week was about health. Mm -hmm. And it's really cool because as the people who've listened to this, I, I'm not going to lie, is really good today. Uh, you've learned a lot about finance and you can tell how humble we are about the knowledge we don't know yeah. when it comes to our relationship with finances and sure. a good friend of ours 
uh, Christina Wise told us, you have to have a relationship with your finances. Mm-hmm. You have to have, it's one of these things people don't talk about. It's almost like saying it's a breakup or it's this relationship that treats you really bad. You keep going back to it, but you don't know how to, you know what to do with it. Baldo said a good point from his personal perspective. Mine has been, I've always, uh, I've always given back or spent whatever I had and when holding on to it now, it's been, I hold on to it, but I don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and now you look at it and you say, okay, cool. There's a couple of things that I do know in this world. I cannot wait for other people to tell me and, or at least be hopeful. There's a reason or, or an answer there. Mm-hmm. And most people who are looking for that from coming from their government in the day and age is not going to happen. It no. hasn't happened ever. No. Uh, they're not there for us, unfortunately, for most of the things. And it's it's a sad, sad uh, hypocrisy that we live in now. But you have the opportunity now with still freedom of speech to be able to hear information like this mm-hmm. on a platform that provides it in just a very safe, loving manner. That's all it is. It's like mm-hmm. we're having an open conversation. There's nothing territorial here. There was nothing um, more than just information and education. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one thing that we've loved about being friends with you is that you've come in here from day one and said, I'm going to, I'm going to show you a couple of things. I'm going to educate. We'll have a conversation. We'll have a discussion. And I know that your mission now is more of a, a crusade because you found something that has purpose. I, you know, it's funny. I thought health, we talked about like, you know, plant medicine and other mm-hmm. stuff before. I know you thought that that was probably a bigger calling for you, but I think you found something even bigger. Sure. I mean, it still is. I mean, I'm very, very, I have a tremendous amount of respect for plant medicine. And th- these are incredible tools to allow you to upgrade your operating system. Yep. And that's what allowed me to, you know, to, to work start with, living in this reality. To be yeah. able to do this. Yeah. To do this. Yeah. yeah. And it's, a, it's, it's, it's beautiful. But yeah, there, I have many or several different interests in this or passions. Yeah. And this is certainly one of them because it allows individuals to empower themselves, to take back their financial sovereignty. I mean, think of it this way. If you didn't have to wake up in the morning, do the nine to five grind, whether you're working from home or not, well, if you had a few hundred thousand dollars in the bank and growing, collecting interest on that on a monthly basis, and you had freedom, how would you feel inside your body? Sure, listen, money isn't the, the money isn't the, you know, it doesn't solve all your issues, right? But to me, money and financial situation, your financial situation is a very big part of the overall happiness formula. Money is a beautiful tool. You can use it to build a beautiful home or destroy it. It all depends on how you use it. You can, you know, you can support amazing causes with it. You can, you can start a company, a health company, and help millions of thousands of people around the world. You can, you can do whatever you want with it, but it's a beautiful tool. It's how you use it. And I want to give this tool or teach individuals how to attain this tool for themselves. I want to give them the tools to attain this tool so they can take back their sovereignty and disconnect from this legacy banking system that is, has, a, has us all sucked in and is controlling us and manipulating us. I want to set people, I want to allow people to set themselves free. And to me, money is one of the many tools that will help them do this. It's certainly helped me to is helping me to do this yeah and that's kind of why i put together you know this course there are many people many friends are coming to me and asking me for advice with regards to investing and it got to a point where i'm really grateful but i just you know 
I didn't have the time to speak with everyone individually and spend, you know, an hour on the phone trying to explain what's going on, why I invest in gold, silver, cryptocurrencies, and how I invest and what I invest in. So I put together this course. You know, it's it's very simple. In under three hours of your time, it explains why it's a good time to get out of alternative uh, conventional assets and get into alternative assets. Um, how I did it, it gives you the course gives. Um, I basically provide 18 different assets in the course, eight eight investments in the gold and silver sector and 10 investments in the cryptocurrency sector, including Bitcoin. I, I have my I provide my investment allocation, my portfolio, meaning what percentage of my total portfolio is allocated to, to cryptocurrencies versus gold and silver, how much I have in each of these assets, how I bought them, where I bought them. It's super simple, super to the point. Uh, one, two, three, you know, um, and I feel that if individuals were to learn this process and follow this method or something like this method on a three to five year basis, uh, it could certainly be very helpful in another tool that, that could help them to say, take back their sovereignty. I love be, it. Before we give them uh, the, the, I guess, the website or whatever, where to find this course, we're going to put it in the show notes. We're going to email it to people as well, too. You should sign up to our email as well, too. Yeah. Um, do you have an asset? crypto or otherwise specifically that that you're excited about that you would like to share um well when you talk about cryptocurrency everyone talks about bitcoin right everyone knows bitcoin bitcoin controls approximately 68 percent of the entire cryptocurrency market cap and there are over 8700 different companies in that cap so bitcoin is one that i'm very excited about but there are nine other ones that are included in the course and I'm also very excited about those ones. And I feel that many of those will outperform Bitcoin because, because Bitcoin already has a significant market cap. And yes, a significant amount of investment will go into Bitcoin, but a lot of that is also going to spill into altcoins or alternative coins, which are smaller cap companies. And I'm really excited about those investments. And that's kind of what I focus on. Diversified investment strategy, but an aggressive diversified investment strategy where even if half of those investments don't go through and companies don't make it the other half will completely outperform the loss that was you know recognized on on the ones that didn't yeah perfect that's awesome all right well lay it on us how do they get this course well you guys will provide the link mm -hmm. the yeah. course is called the alternative strategy it's the alternative strategy.com but if they sign up through your link uh you guys will have a code and they'll get 10 percent off from the course so uh sign up through MSW's uh, link, yes. and you guys will provide it in, in your notes or wherever you post this podcast. And the course itself is just, again, it's, it's a lot of education. It's super compacted. It's not weeks or days of learning. You can literally, you can actually get through the entire course in about an hour with all the content. But there are a bunch of articles and videos and interviews from experts in all of these respective fields. And I highly encourage you to watch that. So it's also resources. Yeah. And that will really build more and more education understanding as to why these assets are important and why I feel that they are worthwhile looking into. That's awesome, man. We have an intro and you have an intro now into crypto. So for anyone who wants it, yeah. now's your chance. Yep. And that's financial health for you. Thanks, Boris. Thank you guys.
This podcast is produced by Flabs to Fitness, Inc. Flabs to Fitness is an online wellness company that specializes in mindful eating, personalized workout programs, and offers a subscription workout program for 20-minute workouts you can do anywhere. We also have a brand new online workout community called Online Workout Badasses, where we have three donation-based Zoom workout classes a week and an amazing community of people who are all working to be healthier together. Please join below in the show notes. It's also a social media content firm for creation and scheduling of content and engagement with your fans on a variety of platforms, including this podcast. Find out more about Flabs to Fitness at www.flabstofitness.com.